You are locked you on Hornets. If you're tuning Part in the for another episode podcast, of the Locked on Hornets podcast, your team every day on Christmas Eve, because there's no reason that we should subject you to what we're about to say about the Charlotte Hornets and their debut. There's no reason you should want this in your holiday life. There's no way you should want any of this. Yet, we still appreciate you joining us, and perhaps you can join us yourself on the anger that we are about to show. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nada the Scribe. We're going to get to really everybody's performance. It can be summed up mostly in one word for most people other than Terry and Gordon. We'll get to all of that. Have a couple of sound bites from James Borrego after the game. We'll also play for you today and maybe even if we have time hit on some other NBA storylines that we saw throughout the association. Nada, it was god-awful defensively last night, and even offensively, we had some issues. Here it is. Terry Rozier was awesome, fantastic, especially in the second half where the third and fourth quarter, the dude is just not missing anything he hoist up there. 42 points for him, nine three-pointers, just an exceptional offensive game. And what was crazy from Terry, if we just want to kind of start off with the good, there's not many, and then we can focus on the bad for the rest of the the day. Um, But Terry, man, like, here's the thing. Everybody harps on it, including myself as much as anyone. Terry is better suited for an off-ball role and and catching and shooting and and maybe as the, you know, I don't want him handling the basketball as much. In the second half, it's not like he's making great decisions. He's not doing it as a facilitator, but he was scoring off of the dribble too yeah and so it wasn't it wasn't just because he was catching and shooting in stride even though he had plenty of those points there were times where he was actually just throwing it up off of the dribble getting to the paint a couple of times the and one was awesome terry was just exceptional offensively and it's why it led to a career high for him as well as hitting nine three pointers just before we go in on everybody else we'll give a, a my we'll give a second place award to gordon hayward who was was also really good offensively but my god just just another Terry appreciation bit of a segment before we start to go in on people. Look, at this point, two days before Christmas, and specifically one day now for us before Christmas on Christmas Eve, the Hornets gave us the giant lump of coal in our Christmas stocking. This was horrible. <laughs> I yeah. it, I just can't imagine where you get... Like, because Walker, this works out to the perfect equ- equation if you really think about it. The Hornets had 70 points between... Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward and still lost <laughs> the, the the third quarter. What, what was it? I think they scored 28 points of the 36 total. They scored in the third quarter like that. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, Exactly. It's ridiculous. It's hard. Like anybody would have like if you had told me that you would get 70 points between Hayward and Rozier, I'd have been like, OK, we're one and oh, and then that didn't happen. Because you know why? No one else bothered to show up in Cleveland. Granted, it's Cleveland, so I get not showing up. But <laughs> people read their press clippings, and we like let, we can get in on the defense in the second quarter and everything. Matter of fact, let's go there right now because it well, was that you know, the only other appreci- the only other appreciation comments I want to have is for Gordon Hayward. So as we just mentioned, eleven of eighteen from the field for Gordon, four of eight from three, seven assists for Gordon Hayward because he makes the smart basketball play he had three turnovers, but the seven assists, he also had four rebounds. I thought offensively, not a, 
Gordon Hayward is he's by far even with Terry doing really good things last night it was just because he caught fire and I've I've given him credit to the point where I'm saying he might be among the best shooters in the NBA when it's all said and done and boy did he contribute to that 10 three-pointers by the way excuse me I don't want to sell Terry short it was 10 not nine 10 three-pointers for Terry Rozier but you know Gordon Hayward he's the calming presence on that end of the floor he makes the right read the dude will get to the basket and he'll put you on the side not quite explosive to drive by you but it doesn't matter he's strong had some strong moves that he had I, I just think Gordon Hayward you know the, the dude was really good offensively last night Yeah, no he was really again he was their best offensive player even better than the guy that scored 40 points yes I understand exactly what I'm saying but when you consider what he did, the seven <laughs> assists and everything that he it was involved, he was the guy that you paid 30 million. He was the exact reason. Like he showed you why you pay him 30 million dollars. That was yeah, explained. It, yeah. I mean, he showed you that he has that kind of ability on a team like this, even though that the situation, I don't think calls for it. Like the guy, he was awesome. I mean, Gordon Hayward was really good offensively, but he was pretty bad defensively. Yes. Nada. Yes. And that's what will allow us to go to the other side of the court where we'll start to talk about all the bad performances from now. Uh, let's get to James Brego's comments real quickly defensively. I mean, it would, ju- it was just a train wreck, especially the second quarter. It was so bad. Uh, I was getting, I think every Hornet fan was getting extremely angry watching what we saw last night from them on that end of the floor. Here's Borrego on the problems that they uh, had. Second quarter cost us just inexcusable effort defensively, one-on-one, weak side help. I think they had over 40 points in the paint uh, in the first half. So uh, unacceptable second quarter. Uh, we got a lot to clean up defensively. We got, got a lot to clean up on the board. Uh, we got a long way to go. The second quarter, clearly. Yeah was the biggest was the biggest issue for them and I mean it was even at the end nada of the second quarter where they just kept playing Ole defense and rolled out the red carpet for anybody that wanted to drive in the lane we saw that constantly and look the small ball lineup was bad also biz was awful defensively too Bismack Biombo had 24 minutes in this game yes he was perfect from the field he was five of five and he had some dunks here and there okay that there were some strong dunks like that those were good that was good um only four rebounds yes i mean what that if, if you're gonna play bismack right like i'll pay him the three and a half million to be a mentor but if you're gonna play him then i need more than four rebounds from you you also had two turnovers you probably accounted for more because you had trouble catching the basketball again i mean it was a real problem once again last night um look this isn't surprising from biz but he was real bad and when you're talking about cody zeller not a having a left fractured hand now he's certainly going to miss some time i don't know what they're going to do to try to account for their by far best big guy on the roster real quickly let's go to james brego's other clip on how again they struggled defensively on the glass and how they're going to account for cody zeller's absence obviously rebounding was an issue tonight this is a team that's big and physical. It's been an issue for us going back to last season. You know, we're going to have to address that internally. Externally, I'm not sure. You know, Mitch and I will have those conversations moving forward over the next day or two. But, you know, obviously Cody's going to miss some time. And, but we need other guys to step up. Nada, there's James Borrego's couple clips. What did you make of some of the things that he had to say? First things first, I absolutely agree that this team lost this game in the second quarter. 21-4 run. If they defend even a little bit they're back within this game and this game is actually competitive much more so and that third quarter they probably overtake them bad shots bad defense bad second quarter it basically 
like the old trope of the NBA, all you do need to do is pay attention to the fourth quarter was a lie because quite honestly, this team lost it in the second quarter with a bad defensive run, 21 to four, uh, no defense, no small ball lineup. And then the big comment, like that's the thing that worries you because I saw a bunch of people saying this is a great opportunity for the young kids, Nick Richards and Vern Carey. And I'm wondering what they saw in preseason that I didn't because I saw two guys that weren't ready yet. Well, you, you saw you didn't even see him play. Not exactly. like Vernon Carey didn't get any run, uh, especially in the second part, uh, because it, it, I, I think this was affected by the pandemic. James Borrego wanting with a new team, with a new guy uh, in LaMelo handling the basketball a lot in theory and same with Gordon. You're going to play all of your starters and all of the pieces that are in your rotation a lot more in the last two games of the season. So Vernon Carey and Nick Richards didn't see any time when they did. They weren't very good. And especially Nick Richards, in my opinion. But I mean, (laughs) yeah, like you can't play those guys. If you if you want to win, those aren't those aren't players that need to be playing significant minutes for you in your rotation. No, you can't have those guys out there because they're legitimately liabilities. And how many defensive and offensive liabilities can you put out there and expect to win games and basically as expect to be competitive which is something this team wants to be continually if you can't be continue like continually competitive then why like what you can't put those guys out there it's not fair to them and then it also begs the question if you're going to put these guys out there that can't be competitive then what's stopping you from putting other guys specifically malik monk who we know is still working his way back into shape if you're going to do that then you've got to go all the you got to keep it all the way funky if you're going to be a monkey (laughs) at this point we always keep it funky on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, and we'll continue to do so for the next couple of segments. Before we do that, I want to make sure that you have all the information you need. If you want to take out your frustration by betting on the Hornets and taking the under on their season win total, you can go to Bet Online AG. Uh, if you're ready for some football, if you want to bet on the under for your favorite NBA team, or if you're ready for college football with the NFL as well, dwindling down this season, you can go to Bet Online AG that has you covered it's the one place that we trust sign up for uh sign up for a free account today at bet online ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50 percent welcome bonus don't sit out on the sidelines anymore you can get in on the action don't forget to use that promo again uh promo code locked on and again you'll receive a 50 percent welcome bonus and you can also visit them on their social media accounts at bet online underscore ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business uh you best bonuses in the business and you can sign up for a free account and use promo code l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n for your sign up bonus hashtag bet online uh we'll start to go in on everybody not named terry rogier and gordon hayward coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets decoys all over the place they've got everybody down at the rim ball goes into biz they do like an xfl style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage except it's with Devonte graham he picks up a foul i don't care what you say nate mcmillan more like nate mcvillan get out of here quit whining about the officials you got plenty of calls the hornets got a call at the end of the game i thought it was fair hornets win it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast 
The holidays are about giving, so I'm giving you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. The new Locked On Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start the season, and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today, wherever you get your podcast. So let's go around the roster, not a kind of give our thoughts on each one of these players. Let's go to LaMelo Ball first because he's the third overall selection. He's the rookie that we're extremely excited to see, and it was a really, really bad debut for him. Still does not have an NBA point to his name despite playing 16 minutes. Missed all five of his field goals that he took. 0 for 3 from behind the three-point line. Only had one rebound. Did have three assists two steals, but did have three turnovers as well. That was his stat line. It was as, I mean, it was basically as bad as you could get, to be honest, unless he would have taken more shots and missed those and had these ugly, ugly turnovers defensively. He gambled and then got burned on it. So I I mean, it was, it was just a bad performance. It was certainly worse than anything he did in the preseason too. Uh, We we didn't even get the flashy play from LaMelo. Here's where I was with him. Not a, I, I think LaMelo got to the paint a few times and tried to make a couple of things happen. And I tweeted this out. There were a couple of instances where I thought, okay, like, man, I I see what he was going for. It was almost there. I didn't think it was a bad basketball play. It was just, it was so close to being there and it wasn't quite capitalized on via LaMelo just, it, it, it just it just didn't no, work didn't, out. The defense the, the defense collapsed. He couldn't get the pass off cleanly. You know, he had the right idea. Sometimes there was one full court pass that he had that I believe got uh, called back because of a mm. foul. I think there was one where he hits Miles Bridges ahead pretty quickly. And so I think that started uh, a chaotic uh, defense on Cleveland's part because they were trying to get back and set and then the ball's already going around everywhere and I believe that possession ended up in a Terry Rozier three so you know I, I have to really take the magnifying glass out to find the positives but that was one and, and, I, and I think that's true I don't think I'm making up some of the good stuff there that was nice that LaMelo got it started I think LaMelo is engaged I think with James Borrego preaching pace, it seems like at least visually, right? LaMelo was the one that is taking that to heart more than any. It's his game anyway, but LaMelo will grab the rebound. It's something Roy Williams would be really proud of. It's LaMelo grabbing the ball out of a made basket and throwing it to Cody on the inbounds. So then I think it was one of the bigs. I don't know who's taking it out, but you know, taking it, passing it to Cody or Bismack out of bounds so they can inbound it faster. And then he's looking up. So I like that he is still, he, he is taking the coach's words to heart. They want to play with pace. It's what he does anyway, but he really is taking it to heart. But overall, a bad night, some things that just weren't quite there, but really as disappointing a debut as honestly you could have asked for from well, Here's the thing, though, Walker. I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, I think the rookie looked like a rookie. And well, I mean, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I don't want this to be mistaken from me saying that LaMelo's trash or anything. I just, yeah, like he looked like a rookie, but, you know, PJ was awesome last year. Like you can have some decent debuts if he would have given me, let's say that you exchange, you know, Cody Martin's stat line for LaMelo, then you're talking a little bit better. And Cody Martin won good last night. I mean, like that's what I'm saying. I just I just don't want I I don't want people to think that I hate LaMelo like he's fun as hell. It's just it wasn't a good debut in my opinion. It was it was it was pretty it was, poor. It wasn't a good debut. The rookie looked like a rookie. I just I don't, I don't know if I'm just trying to uh, again. I'm in a Zen mood for like when it comes to the rookie. <laughs> Did you meditate after last night's I game for to. your own personal I had health? To for my own mental sanity, I'm the one calming everybody down. And when do you know me to do that? Like at this point, yeah, I'm uh, just yeah, like, that's true. 
I, I'm in a Zen mood. I'm I'm kind of disappointed, but I also kind of see that like this team was a second quarter run away from being in this game more and more. And I think I I didn't expect much from Lamelo to begin with. It was a poor performance, and I just don't like of all the things that we saw last night. He's probably on the lowest list of concerns for me. There are other guys that we we're going to talk about that I am kind of worried about yeah. right now because this because last night was was not pretty. Was not pretty at all and we can get into why I'm kind of worried about the rest of these guys especially coming up against OKC. Sure. And 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 just to continue on it, you're probably you're right about that too just as far as guys that you know deserve most of the blame or who looked the worst. Yeah, I'm not going to say LaMelo looked the worst. It just it was really bad. And and, and there are plenty of other players to pick on too. So let's go ahead and move on to it. I, I don't want to go totally in on, on Miles because he'll just be the next player up. So when Miles came into the game, the first thing we see from him is a sick drive from the yep. corner. And a really decisive one puts the ball on the deck, maybe even has a little bit of a crossover in there. The defense is like, oh, oh, hell, I'm trying to catch up, trying to catch up. And eventually, Miles hits a shot in the paint after he drives. And I was like, okay, dude, little saucy Miles yeah. Bridges. I love it. That was awesome. We see him with back-to-back alley-oops. I believe both were from Devontae yes. Graham. So that was really cool. Running the floor. The defense for Cleveland was just god awful getting back in those situations. Mm-hmm. It was actually their turn to be bad defensively, and Miles capitalized on it. That Miles buying into that pace of beating everyone down the floor, getting rewarded not by Lamelo, but getting rewarded by Devonte Graham. And so here we are thinking, great stuff, man. Miles looks really, Miles looks really good, picking right up where he left off from the preseason. Awesome, and then he misses every single other shot after that can't hit an open three can't hit any other shot defensively was you know doing some turnstile stuff here and there, not recognizing some things um yeah so then it it got bad for miles so so what what you can say for miles that you can't say about anybody else other than than gordon and terry is that there was a stretch of really good basketball for miles it it was only a stretch didn't last too long but at least we got that from bridges last night again there was a short stretch and at this point with Miles Bridges, and I told you this off wax before we started this show, that at I don't expect Miles Bridges, like the real Miles Bridges, to show up until two months into the season, until he's adjusted to the to the video, adjusted to the tape. And he showed me something, and I thought, hey, look, this is the Miles we're going to expect all year. And then he went back to the Miles that like adjusts and everything else like that. And when we start talking about the defensive stuff, he was a big portion of that 24 to, 21 to 4 Cavs run in the second quarter. He was on the floor for a lot of it. And I think defensively is where he disappointed me more than offensively because he just felt like that that aggression that you saw in the preseason from him, that wasn't there. That wasn't there on defense. And I, when you start having those conversations about, okay, what do you expect from Miles Bridges? You can't be, he can't be that passive on defense. Like he's got to be the one calling out the defenses, especially if he's going to take that next step. I am disappointed in him. Again, when we talk about the hierarchy of people I'm concerned about, where Lamelo's at the low tier, like we'll grade this at like we'll grade this. Lamelo's at that low blue. Like it's a cool worry. It's like okay, I'm worried, but I'm not worried. Miles, when we talk about the tiers, he's in that middle tier. He's almost like the cream in the Oreo when you start talking about like the worry. 
like <laughs> it, again, it's not make or break. But at the same time, if, if that worry's not there, then you, again, it doesn't make the worry sandwich good. We're going to transfer this over um, to DJ Washington, who is like the crux of the worry that I have for this team right now. Like PJ was really bad defensively. He was God awful. Uh, you look at his stat line offensively. PJ only hit one shot, only took one three pointer and missed it. Did get to the foul line and hit both of his free throw attempts. A couple of assists, surprisingly no turnovers from PJ Washington. I think got maybe bailed out on that yeah. foul when he drove and then the ball got loose from him, but it was a foul called on him so, or against him. So only four points, not exactly the sophomore, uh, the rookie debut that we got from him last year transferring to a sophomore debut where PJ was the best basketball player we'd ever seen in a Hornets uniform to wear quite possibly the worst. Um, and you know, that's going too far, but man, he was bad uh, defensive real quick. Uh, just, just my thoughts real quickly. Defensively, he was bad. Not a, um, you know, there wasn't anything really going offensively. I, I just even think, you know, you can see what Borrego is mad about. I, I, I don't know if I'm worried about him long-term about, you know, just talking about, trying to expound upon these abilities that I've dis discussed quite a bit. It, it just looked like the effort from a lot of different players weren't there. And PJ is absolutely yeah, in no, that, that group. was the thing. Like he, unfortunately for PJ Washington, he was emblematic of everybody. Like no one was, yeah. no one was up. There was not that intention. Like the attention to detail was lacking in everybody. And no one embodied that more than PJ Washington. And if you're not going to have that attention to de detail, not going to have that hunger, that intensity that you're going to need, because as Rick, again, friend of the show, Rick Bennell always says, this team's margin for error to win and lose games is so razor thin that you need buy-in from everybody. And if you're not bought in, and mind you, like, here's the thing. PJ went to the Major League Two. Like, again, we all remember when Rick Vaughn got the haircut and then basically became Wild Thing again. <laughs> like, we saw, like, I saw the haircut. I saw the fade from, like, the beginning of the game. And I was like, okay, we got real PJ back. He cut all that hair off, and here we go. And then turns out it's the same Rick Vaughn with the same dead arm that we've seen for God knows how long. And I just, I am concerned. Because this is how you yeah, start. Yeah, I, I think I think where I am, if if we're talking long term concern, Nada, um, I, I'm going to I'm going to give it maybe a week or so, and and if we really don't get any good performances, or, or maybe like five games, something like that, it, give me give me five games into the season, and if we just if we just continue to have this from PJ, then man, it's going to have to be fixed at some point because it, it, it's real bad from him right now. And just to continue to divvy up the minutes and what Borrego went with last night, PJ Washington played 21 minutes. Mm -hmm. Miles Bridges played 22. Cody Zeller played 19. And then, you know, he hand suffered that hand. Uh, left hand fracture. So that comes into play. But when you're talking about the guys that were healthy, right, who was all in the same kind of area, Bismack played the fourth most minutes on the team last night with 24. Bridges, 22. Cody Martin, 21. Uh, PJ Washington 21 and Cody Zeller 19 after the hand. So that that's, those are the guys that were kind of in that same area. And, um, you know, PJ, it, it, you would think PJ would be getting more than all of them. And here he is just not playing well enough to warrant some of that. So we'll see what Borrego decides to do going forward. But man, he's got a lot of work to do as he just suggested in that soundbite. One more segment to go here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We'll clean up some of the other Hornets takes from last night. Also look at some other NBA storylines coming up next. It's LOH. This is Locked on Hornets. 
I'm, I'm a little. I listen. Hold on. I, now, see, uh, I, we couldn't just blow by that one. Well, you had because this is what frustrates me. You know, I'm uh-huh. under the weather. You know, I'm not at 100 percent right now, and you're you're just taking it to me. You're like one of these people that knew Nick Batum had a hand injury, and they were just slapping his hand because it's like we're gonna get, we're gonna knock this guy's hand because we know he's injured, and that's what you're doing to me right now. But I just want to say, Sam, if you're listening, you're more than a numbers guy. You have heart. You have soul. You have agency. You are a person. Love you, Sam. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Locked on Women's Basketball is the only daily podcast covering the world of women's hoops. Join an all-star cast of hosts each day of the week for a comprehensive look at the worlds of the WNBA, women's college basketball, and international competition that you simply won't find anywhere else. Subscribe to Locked on Women's Basketball on your favorite podcast provider. Very cool that we're getting Locked on Bets and Locked on Women's Basketball into the rotation of all the great shows here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Leftover Hornets takes, nada. Um, let's go to the Cody Zeller thing real quickly. We didn't really speak on James Borrego's comments, how he doesn't know if they are going to go for external help. I would think that you, you do. You I just to. don't know where else you're going to go. Uh, B- Bismack's not good. Uh, Vernon Carey and Nick Richards ain't ready for this by any stretch of the imagination. And the Hornets are the only team that has an open roster spot or one of the only teams. So it makes sense for them to maybe go find somebody out there on the outside. I'm not saying you're going to find anybody that's fantastic, but I would rather go externally than I would internally to fill the void of Cody Zeller. Because you have to go get a veteran. you got to get someone that knows what they're doing. And if that means you sign a vet on a 10-day and maybe you sign him to two 10 days early. And actually, I'm sorry, you can't even sign guys to 10, 10 days yet. But you're going to have to sign someone that is not going to cost you very much money and is going to come cheap and be a vet and can fix fix. I'm not necessarily say fix it, but he's got to be that tape that basically makes sure that the leaks don't continue because this and this is the problem. And this is the foresight, lack of foresight from the front office in terms of a big because as we remember, Remember, they were like interested in Montrez Harrell, and I still wonder what they were thinking because I don't see a way that Montrez Harrell fixes the defensive and rebounding problems from the bigs that they were going to do. None of that made sense. So we're talking about a team that now cannot defend, cannot rebound. And oh, yeah, have you guys looked at the schedule for the next little bit? You've got the Thunder, you've got the Nets, you've got the Mavericks, you've got the Grizzlies, and then you've got the Sixers twice in the next little bit with no Cody Zeller. <laughs> and this team can't defend or rebound. Good luck. Like, yeah, it's going to be rough if you imperative. don't. If you do not win this. <laughs> just to get just something, to get something, man. If not, then you may not win another game until the Knicks on January 11th. That's how bad this you is. You were asking me what you were asking me what I was smelling when we were looking at the first half of the schedule and we both caught the stench of a two and O record to start the season. And boy, I don't know what we were smelling, but it wasn't two and O it was something bad. It was something awful. And I got duped into thinking it was something delightful to start the season. A couple of other things I want to talk about real quickly. You know, nobody was good. My, my takeaway from this is nobody was good in this game except for Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. And even that's only limited really to the offensive end of the court. But 
uh, Devonte Graham, 10 assists for him. You know, I, I didn't watch Devonte and think he was God awful offensively. Dude just couldn't hit yeah. shots. And, and that, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going to kill people for not being able to hit shots on a one game sample size or even a four or five, like that happens. And you could even see Devonte's frustration. The first three pointer that he hit, his reaction was more of a thank God. He wasn't going to give you the three goggles. He wasn't going to do any, any bow and arrow celebration. It was all thank God. It was relief when he hit that first three pointer. And then remember he had a huge three pointer to actually actually make what was a a possible miraculous comeback. I think there was 10 seconds left and it was a five point game. So Devante is what made that happen with his made three that he had. The 10 assists is impressive though. I I love Devante's passing. He's always been a really good passer that every once in a while we'll turn it over. But overall, I mean, yeah, you know, Devante Devante was bad last night just in the form of missed shots, which was a problem. We saw that a lot in the second half, but it's it's not like I look at everybody else and think, okay, Devante just has no clue what he's doing it, it was it, if he makes his shots and which sounds like simple as hell and be like duh walker yeah great you're an expert that we need to listen to but it was just basically the make or miss league thing yeah, for Devontae last night. like literally he started hitting shots in the second half and he became an immediately better player funny how that works right walker so <laughs> <laughs> we, we are the experts we are your daily exactly. experts on the lockdown podcast like, network so i mean he played well he again he played okay he played okay. He wasn't great defensively, but no one was. And I just yeah, – It was exactly. so bad. It was all so, so bad. But again, <laughs> you know – The other th- – go ahead. I was Adam. going to say the other thing is – and I don't know if you got this in your mentions, Walker, but I know I did. Like, the why is Malik playing crowd? Like, I, that, I, I want to tell you all to just, like, chill, enjoy some eggnog, and w- wait about a couple of weeks because he's not in shape yet, and I don't think – him playing tonight, him playing last night was going to be an indictment on whether they believe in him or not because he wasn't in shape. Yeah, you you are a lot more laissez-faire about that than I am. I'm with you more than not, but I, I, I do wonder with Borrego's comments talking about him going with a 10-man rotation. He loves Cody Martin, and he called him the best pound-for-pound defender that they have on the roster. Which is and an then Jalen McDaniels, who... I, <laughs> yes. And, you know, and I, I mean, I, everybody knows I love Jalen McDaniels. He only got six minutes. Really, really was a nine man rotation with McDaniels coming in, um, had a bad turnover, did have a fun dunk, but that was it. Um, so you look at you look at Malik. I, I hope that he's going to be a part of the rotation. And, you know, if you're going to play McDaniel six minutes and I know that Malik is not going to help your defense, even though I don't think he's as bad as people have said, especially as the years have gone on. But offensively, you know, like how many people do you have that are getting to the bucket? I mean, not too many. And so and then making plays for others down low. I don't know, man. I just think I, I hope that Malik is going to be a part of this because one, I, I believe in him, obviously. And also, I want like, do you play him into shape? Or are you just trying to get him in shape via practice? And is that going to be enough for to, to where you feel comfortable putting him in? I, I'm interested in the Malik thing. Point well taken on your front, Nada. Like I, I think I mostly believe you, but I, I'm a little bit more worried about it than you are. Um, okay, let's go elsewhere though. in the NBA. Anything else you wanted to talk about? Not 
I don't do think I? you should be worried. Like, I, I quite honestly do not think you should be worried about that. I don't think anybody should be worried about Malik. Malik's just not there yet. Like, I don't think it does him any good. I don't think it does the team any good to put him out there before he's ready. Because, again, we know that some sometimes players' confidence can be shown. Okay. I don't believe that we can have that conversation about whether this is, says something about Malik or not. Because he didn't look in shape in any of the games he played in. Give him a couple of weeks. Let's wait. Let's okay. wait because I don't think it's fair to, to judge what this rotation looks like when nobody looks good. Now, mind you, this can all change. Like if this okay, that that's fair. If this I, is two weeks in, and then we're having this conversation about why isn't he playing Malik? Then okay, I will be along their side, like literally blaring the sirens of oh my god, this is saying something about Malik. This, that, and the third. Give it two weeks. If we're not, if we're there, then I'll be right with you. But right now. I feel like we need to cool it a little bit. Let the rotation settle because they're clearly parts that don't fit right now. And I think it's time to sand them down. All right. Thank you for rocking me to relaxation. I appreciate that. Um, I really needed a hug and I think you gave me a Malik Monk hug and I, and I really, really appreciate it. If you want to look at the other NBA games that happened last night, any notable results to you, Nada, that you maybe wanted to talk about the other totals, by the way, Indiana beats New York, Orlando beats Miami in the first game of the season, 113 to 107. Philadelphia takes care of Washington. Boston beats Milwaukee, 122 to 121. You had New Orleans Van Gundy's debut with the Pelicans. New Orleans takes care of the Toronto Raptors. 113 to 99 Atlanta had 84 points in the first half against Chicago Atlanta scores 124 to 104 and they beat Chicago um, San Antonio 131 to 119 over Memphis Minnesota 111 to 101 over Detroit Sacramento beats Denver 124 to 122 and Utah beats Portland 120 to 100 the last one Phoenix 106 to 102 they knock off the Dallas Mavericks I don't know why I felt like I needed to update everyone on every single game, but I just did. Uh, was there any of those results or games or storylines, Nada, that you found particularly Two interesting? One, you notice that the South Southern Division, the Southeast that the Hornets reside in, they all got better. This team could get better and still get drilled by these <laughs> other three teams. That's something that I think we need to harp on a little bit more than we did. And then the other thing is the Lonzo ball factor because I believe Lonzo went three for six from beyond the arc. Lonzo was not something was not known as a shooter and has gotten dramatically better. So when the folk when everyone wants to talk about oh Lonzo shots broken this that and the third it's broken for right now. I would caution I would just basically say be patient let the kid grow. This is not as Cam Newton once said this is not instant quick grits. This is a slow process. Allow <laughs> kids to grow. And do, do you think it's a smart idea to be quoting Cam Newton for advice at all? Like, do you think we should be doing that anymore on this podcast? No, no. But you know what? Again, I make my own rules. Like you set the rules. I break said rules <laughs> and make my own rules. That's how this has gone for the last That's couple true. months. And again, why are we lying to ourselves? Like it'd be anything different. 
that's true. And I, you know, that, that comment on its surface, I think that's a fine Cam Newton comment to go with, but maybe you keep it right there. The more you, the more you fish in the Cam Newton pond of advice, the more that you come up with just a bunch of trash rather than an actual fish. So maybe you continue to uh, just go with that one if you want to go with one, but you're right. Not like, yeah, LaMelo, I'm not saying it's not fixable. And so Lonzo Ball, his own brother, it's, it's a good example of that. The form was God awful and it's not bad form anymore. And he shot 37.5% from three last year, getting off to a good start this season. So hopefully that can all come to fruition as well. Um, I wanted to mention one other thing real quickly as I'm looking ahead. Um, I wanted to go to the Spurs and believe it or not, it's not because of Devin Vassell. I wanted to go to the Spurs because they beat the Memphis Grizzlies. And I just thought the guys that were playing in this game were pretty fascinating. We all know how fun the Grizzlies are. NBA Twitter loves Memphis and John Morant went for 44 and nine last night. Just a a ridiculous game from Ja. But you go to the Spurs. There's a couple of other Hornets favorites that actually played well. Did you see Lonnie Walker's stat line? Not not. again. Let's tell me this so that when Doug, (laughs) you're scared. Tell me this so that when Doug (laughs) listens to this, he can cry when he's listening to this. Lonnie Walker had 16 points as a starter playing 34 minutes, six of nine from the field. And he hit three of his four three pointers. And you know what? Another guy that Doug and I both liked, Keldon Johnson played 32 minutes, went five of 10 from the field, had 16 points and five rebounds and a few assists to as well. Devin Vassell's rookie debut, by the way, went a four from the field, just one three pointer to his name, a few rebounds. And that was it. But Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson, nada. That's what I wanted to get to. I didn't mention a couple of guys that were some Doug and Walker favorites in the NBA draft and the Spurs. They just take yeah. all of them, apparently. No, no, That's no, just so so basically do. what you're telling me is I try to point some like some Hornets related things and then you guys, you just want to promote the Doug and Walker agenda. That's what you did. That's exactly what you did on Christmas Eve. Um, I apologize. You're I just wanted sorry. to get that out there. And then I wanted to end the show like that. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks as always for you guys, uh, to you guys for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Hollinger and Duncan, really any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great day. Have a great holiday weekend. Hopefully you guys are able to enjoy it and stay safe. Thanks again. Uh, have a great holiday weekend. and We'll talk to you on Monday.